0: Welcome to season two, episode nine of this podcast series by the program in international nutrition at Cornell university, or as we call it the pin podcast in this series, trainees and pin interview leaders and rising stars in the field of international nutrition and global health. Today on the podcast, our interviewers include myself. My name is Sam and I did my PhD in international nutrition here at Cornell, and I'm currently a postdoctoral associate. We have several other pin trainees as interviewers for today. Hello, my name is Kripa. Hi, I am Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Chrissy. Yeah, thanks everyone. Our guest today is Dr. Bharati Kolkarni. Dr. Bharati Kolkarni is senior grade deputy director at National Institute of Nutrition in Hyderabad, India. Her research focuses on ways to improve the nutritional status of vulnerable population groups, especially women and children. She has carried out studies on public health nutrition programs, including anemia, childhood stunting, management of severe acute malnutrition in children, body composition, agriculture, nutrition linkages, and agricultural interventions to improve nutritional status of women and children. So welcome to the podcast, Parati. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. To start us off, we would love to hear about your career trajectory from studying medicine to going into research and public health.
1: Thank you so much, Samantha, and thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to be a part of this group. Uh, So coming to your question, career trajectory, I would say it was quite unusual. Uh, I completed my MBBS, that is bachelor's degree in medicine. uh, And I also completed a postgraduate diploma in paediatrics. And in fact, I was like a practicing paediatrician. And um, uh, this opportunity of of researcher, in National Institute of Nutrition, I came across just by chance. I did not have an experience in research. And uh, in fact, I did not know what it entails. So uh, uh, because not many doctors have formal training in research methodology or research experience, uh, many doctors start their career like me uh, without a sort of formal training in Research, So it was not uh, unusual for a new scientist from the medical background to have no research experience at my institute. And it was assumed that there will be on the job training in research methodology by the seniors. And like, you no, know, you get involved in projects and you learn while doing the research projects. So I started out like that. And then uh, my initial work involved studies in bone health because Indian women uh, tend to have fractures at an early age, osteoporotic fractures. And my uh, senior researcher had done studies to show demonstrate that the early fractures in India were linked with poor nutritional status. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of my background in pediatrics, I conducted first study to look at Uh, changes in bone density related to lactation because Indian women tend to have prolonged lactation and the calcium intakes in the diet are uh, through diet are very low. So uh, it is known that women have transient bone loss during lactation, but there is a recovery, spontaneous recovery, but we did not know whether it was true for Indian women who have low calcium intakes. So uh, we conducted those studies and we found very interesting results. Uh, Then I got involved in studies on body composition because body composition seemed to be the key factor deciding on bone health. And while doing these studies and learning on the job, I realized that I needed a more, like no stronger foundation in uh, epidemiology and especially biostatistics to be able to uh, analyze the data myself and I needed this kind of uh, academic training. So I applied uh, for Master of Public Health Program in Johns Hopkins and I was accepted and I spent 11 months in the U.S. Uh, for my master's and uh, I think that uh, provided a much stronger foundation to be able to do like no uh, more uh, higher quality research so later on i got involved in studies on long term cohort uh, which uh, tracked the children born within a nutrition intervention trial in india which was conducted in 1987 to uh, 90 and because of parkers hypothesis or the in- emerging interest in the area of developmental origins of health and disease uh, my uh, seniors were trying to trace the children born within this cohort and follow them up. So my, I continued my work on body composition, and then I also uh, made it my PhD research project. Uh, and then um, I looked at, during my PhD research work, I looked at the impact of early nutrition supplementation on the lean body mass Uh, during of young adults Uh, following that uh, 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 my research area expanded and then uh, I conducted studies on agriculture nutrition uh, interrelationship because uh, India Indians tend to have very monotonous diet and then uh, it's linked with the food environment and then agriculture is an important uh, component of the food environment. So we conducted studies on that. Simultaneously, uh, uh, I got involved in studies on uh, management of severe acute malnutrition, which was actually my like, no, original uh, training in pediatrics. Uh, so uh, those studies have uh, given us very important insights about uh, importance of uh, treating these children with local foods. Uh, rather than relying on like, no products. So those kind of studies have, uh, have been published. Uh, we also uh, are doing some studies on uh, anemia, screen and treat approach for anemia reduction, uh, because anemia is a problem in India, which seems to be resistant to solutions. And there have been like anemia control programs in the country uh, going on since Uh, almost half a century, like since 1970. But uh, the prevalence continues to be high. And then we do not know if we have point-of-care screening and treat anemics. That may be an approach to reduce anemia more rapidly. So currently, we are doing that trial. Uh, I'm also uh, leading a study uh, called Action Against Stunting Harm. Uh, which is a multi-country study funded by Global Challenges Research Fund by UKRI. So this study is being done in uh, India, Indonesia, and Senegal. And in Hyderabad, we are establishing a cohort of pregnant women. uh, And the infants will be followed up till two years of age. And we are looking at childhood stunting from a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary perspective, looking at um, various determinants, including nutrition, microbiome, epigenetic aspects, and then we will be also like you know, conducting uh, a number of like estimations in the breast milk samples as well as. Uh, the biochemical parameters in the infants. And we are also looking at home environment, food environment. So it's a really large interdisciplinary study because of COVID-19, uh, these projects got delayed, but now everything has started simultaneously. So it's it's, it's quite a busy time for us uh, currently. So.
2: Wow, it's really, this is really, interesting and inspiring. The way, as you say, the your work complemented your, your studies as, as a master's student, as a PhD student. And then at the same time, uh, the studying help you a little bit to complement uh, your work experience. And all of these projects you're mentioning is really interesting. It, it, especially this last one sounds like a huge enterprise. And so a little bit of uh, from, you know, from the perspective of young professionals and trainees, we would like to know a little bit of like, how is it now to be a senior grade deputy director of the National Institute of Nutrition? And how, what does a normal day in your life uh, look like? Yeah,
1: I think uh, as like more. Uh, we become senior in the institute, Uh, our work just expands and responsibility uh, increases. I think that's true everywhere, Uh, not that it's unusual. So uh, uh, here, uh, apart from conducting the research projects, uh, because National Institute of Nutrition is the premier uh, government-funded research institute, uh, we are also responsible for like supporting the government in the uh, nutrition sub- nutrition programs, and also like no uh, health department also has number of uh, requests from National Institute of Nutrition to provide evidence for the ongoing government programs. So uh, uh, a typical day like no is uh, uh, supervising. The project-related work, uh, we have a number of junior scientists uh, in our department, and apart from the scientists who are like no uh, permanent employees of NIN, we also have a large number of people working on different projects. So uh, there are like no day-to-day challenges because uh, many of these field studies. Uh, There are like unexpected challenges, especially after COVID, like for example, our screen entry trial, uh, when we go to villages, when our team goes to villages, sometimes people are resistant because of fears of like COVID-19 and uh, other issues, Uh, then our yeah, actually our implementation of our intervention is through frontline health workers but then frontline health workers are sometimes burdened with other responsibilities of vaccinations so there are uh, a number of like no emerging challenges which need to be tackled on day-to-day basis. And many a times we cannot foresee all these things. So so as we go along, there might be some adaptations and we have to sort of all the time think how to like solve this problem or that problem and how to take our work forward. Uh, At the same time, uh, there is, there are new people who are entering uh, the institutes and institute and like many and the medical doctors especially do not have background training uh, in research so there is a training ongoing there are phd students uh, then there are like you no know, sometimes we have questions parliament questions to answer because many times the questions by the members of the parliament if they are uh, related to nutrition issues then the government sends these questions to us to answer. Then there are requests from uh, the federal government or the state government related to, like, you know, their their programs. Uh, if they need any advice, uh, many N- uh, NGOs also approach us for advice on various matters. So it's, it's quite like you no know, diverse kind of work a person does, and uh, I think one needs to do multitasking uh, all the time. But uh, I think as you grow in the institute, you, you get to know that like you have to be multitasking all the time. So that's how it is.
2: Yeah. And, and I think what, from what you're saying, uh, your role at the National Institute of Nutrition is, is very important because it connects with researchers on the ground, actors on the ground, but also NGOs and uh, different government agencies. And so from that perspective, and in terms also for new professional young professionals and trainees, what do you think are the main priorities in terms of nutrition and health that you see for the next, you know, next five or, or 10 years?
1: Yeah, I think uh, as a part of uh, a government research institute, and you know, our mandate is to work on Issues of public health importance. So many times like you know, we have to remind ourselves as well as like you no know, other people working in the institute that our, um, our focus should be on issues that are of public health importance. Sometimes uh, younger researchers are interested in issues which are of their own academic interest but not necessarily uh, public health priority. So, uh, I think we have to like constantly uh, remember that these uh, we have to focus our attention uh, to the issues that are public health priority. So, as of now, uh, reduction of stunting and reduction of anemia uh, are two most important issues because uh, Prime Minister of India has launched this National Nutrition Mission in 2018, it's called Koshin Abhiyan, And the two important targets of this mission are reducing uh, stunting by 2% per, per annum and reducing anemia by 3% per annum. So it, it's quite important for us to uh, demonstrate interventions that can like, achieve these targets. Although it looks quite daunting because these are very, very complex issues and these are multifactorial. So simple interventions may have only limited impact. So uh, I think uh, the challenge is to be like, you know, to focusing on these issues and uh, generate evidence base so that the government uh, can take it up uh, and scale it up uh, as a part of the group.
0: Thank thank you for sharing these uh, priority areas. I think it's good for graduate students and your professionals to know uh, where to focus on. And I was also wondering if you have any other advice for graduate students or young professionals in the area of public health.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for everyone, uh, it's like no important to focus on issues that are of public health importance. Uh, Because of multiple reasons. One is the knowledge generated uh, will be of immediate benefit. Like if there is an intervention which shows an impact, there is a possibility that it will be adapted. Uh, it will be replicated. Like no, similar studies will be replicated, and uh, that evidence will be immediately helpful. So, generating ev- uh, focusing on issues of public health importance is quite important. Uh, secondly, I think uh, having a very strong foundation uh, in methodology and also uh, study design, uh, which has to be like no. Uh, uh, it should be designed in an iterative manner. So, one needs to, like, you know, in one go, it's not possible to have uh, something concrete, but then one needs to revise, discuss with people who have worked in that area, have some ground level understanding. And especially for nutrition interventions, uh, formative research is extremely important because many times what we visualize, like, you know, based on uh, review of literature and our own understanding uh, it may not work in the community so it, it's always important to have very strong uh, formative research and uh, rethink uh, of the study design and research question uh, in the context uh, and also understanding like you know, what is what are the participants expectations and what are participants, Interest is quite important because many times, like, we have a sort of one way understanding, and it may not be of interest to the community at all. Like, for example, when we started this intervention, one screen and treat approach for reducing anemia, um, like, we think anemia is important and it should be reduced, and like, no, an anemic individual has to take like treatment for reducing the anemia but that person goes on with, with the, like you know, his or her life um, like because of like you no know, they they because of this uh, issue of adaptation uh, they don't think that's it's that important like you no know? so i think uh, making them understand that because there are no immediate uh, rewards for that so, so for even reducing childhood stunting, because then in a community, 50% children are stunted, the mother doesn't think that her child is like, especially deprived and they uh, may not and the rewards of nutrition interventions, there is no instant gratification. The rewards are like long way ahead. So uh, the job is like you know, to have a very strong behavior, communication and uh, uh, emphasizing the importance of long term gains uh, although it's hard uh, and challenging but i think that's that's quite important otherwise uh, people uh, do not necessarily accept your intervention and then we do not know whether the intervention didn't work because it was not like no uh, efficacious or because like no, the acceptance of the intervention was poor. And many times we do not have very strong metric uh, to measure uh, the compliance because many times people have a belief that uh, they have to respond in a way which is desirable. So many times we we get like no higher compliance than actually there is. So I think all these issues uh, need to be uh, kept in mind so that uh, the interventions which we develop, uh, I think there has to be very strong uh, behavior, change communication, accompanying any intervention. That's what I would say. Thank you. And we're almost coming to the end of the podcast. So before we wrap up, we have two final questions for you. What is the worst thing about your job and what is the best thing about your job? Yeah, I'll tell best. Best thing first. Uh, I think what I like is like you know, traveling and interacting with people from different backgrounds uh, and learning from each other's experience. Uh, I think that I feel is quite nice. And because uh, we are like you know, generating knowledge so we have to be like abreast uh, all the time and i think uh, as a profession we have to be learning throughout our like throughout our life like uh, which i feel is uh, which i feel is quite interesting uh, the worst thing is uh, like there is always some deadline <laughs> so uh, there is always a deadline for the you know, project proposal or a paper and and all and the other thing is uh it always like you no know, beyond the working hours also we keep thinking so uh about uh, so there is less demarcation between like you no know, uh work time and like you no know, family time so because it, at the background uh, it's always going on in the mind so uh which is in a way, good, it, we, you get used to it, but then sometimes, like, no, it's stressful because sometimes you cannot really completely like forget about work. So, that I would say is the worst part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it ends up becoming work life integration instead of balance, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, so I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much, Bharati, for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone. and for a nice
0: time. It was really great to learn about everything you've done and are continuing to do. Um, and thank you to the listeners of this podcast. Stay tuned for more insightful conversations with amazing researchers in international nutrition and global health. Finally, many thanks to Elena Kecky for audio edits and our theme music.